to retreat, run away, and cry. I wanted to shut down all of my social media accounts, delete all of my videos, and just hide from the world. Um, I was really struggling, too, because I, they continued to talk bad about me, and every part of me wanted right. to read what they were um, saying. There's something so human about wanting to know what people are saying about you, even if it hurts. But continuing to read such hurtful things about yourself doesn't help anyone. And as it said in Ephesians 4.27, we're not supposed to give the devil a foothold in our life. Each time I would go back and read or think about reading what they were saying, I was giving Satan a foothold. So I started really praying and asking that God would give me the armor and the strength to um, not let into what Satan was trying to do. I'm so thankful that God gives us armor to defeat Satan. And each time I struggle, I come back to the words of Ephesians and back to the message and ask that God would give me eyes to see people as he sees them. And the more that I do that, the more that I can show grace and forgiveness. Anyways, I don't know what you're struggling with, but I hope that God can help you see people as he sees them too. So, yeah, thanks. Well done. Come on, you can't tell me that was hard, right? Hard to share the story, hard to live the story, but I'm thinking when I was hearing it the first time, I'm thinking, I know what that feels like. Circumstances are totally different. I know what that feels like. I got to... You got to give props to where they're deserved. And the courage that that took today, respect to you, Tori. Ah, but the other side is, we are just talking about what this is like. And so when you get to experience sort of the alignment of the Spirit of God bringing things together, maybe you didn't understand what we were talking about. It was too theoretical or conceptual. How about a real-life example that happened this week where someone had to decide, I know what I want to do, and I know what feels right to do, but I'm going to choose to do something different. I will choose to be what I was called to be. And instead of saying, I really hope that somebody else will one day make things better, if it wasn't for Donald Trump, we could all do what we needed to do, and to take responsibility and say, I will be the difference. It will start with me. Beautiful. Beautiful. It lifted me up so much just thinking, God is at work in our midst. If he's at work in Tori's life, then maybe he's at work in, in your life. And if he's at work around us, then maybe, maybe he could be at work in my life too. Maybe our God is actually going to make a change. Maybe he's actually going to do something to set us free and to transform us. Maybe this is happening right now. Maybe. Holy Spirit, please move. If this is the case, we need to be educated. We need to be set free. So I, I had already um, sort of thought about what I was going to do, and then I got this story, and I go, oh, i got to cut some of this other stuff out because we got to hear that story. That was like giving blood. That was like releasing life in that kind of moment. So again, thank you. Um, I got some rough church history in my past, and I know many of you do as well. Uh, in my first church, not, things didn't go so well. There was a lot of disunity. There was fighting. There were meetings. And then 
there were meetings about the meetings that we went to, and the district came in, and they had a resolutions committee that was there to help us work through the issues, and the, the church experienced significant negative growth, and I lost my job due to lack of funds, and I discovered depression, and I became disillusioned, and when I lost my job, I questioned my calling, and I've been forced to question it more than once to decide how is God actually involved here? And in that season, early in my marriage, I told Cheryl that she should leave me. I'm not trying to leave you. I'm telling you that you should leave me because all of the pain in your life right now was there because of me, because of what I was involved in, because of the stuff that was happening to me. She was getting it all because of that. I wanted to set her free. You don't need to be drawn down by all this. And she said that she would have none of that. So when you think about it, the three boys that I have here today, they wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. We wouldn't be having church and meeting in this building had not those early perseverances happened. And on the other side of the temptation to quit, to walk away, sometimes you will discover the greatest blessings. Well, in the middle of my, my career there, I worked at Blockbuster for a time. And there was a, when a time when, when things had to change again. You, you can mark this on your calendar. You go back to when the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre had come out, and we were building the wall. The display. Does anybody remember what a video store was? <laughs> you went there, and we looked at these things, and we built this wall to, to describe this new movie. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I had this moment where time stopped when there was no noise around me. You see these things in, in movies, it happens like this, and I got the, the, the voice that was so clear, it said, why is that in your hand? And I dropped it. Weirdo, right? Who does that? Why is that in your hand? You were supposed to have a Bible in your hand. And that was... a. Uh, the next day, no, but very soon after that, I went back to working at church. And things got awkward at that church too, and I loved my job, but it was a tremendously awkward situation. I was able to watch about 700 people leave the church. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not sure if there was any hope for me in church ministry at all after that. I thought, everything I've seen has been the undoing, the disunity, the falling apart of. Maybe this is just all over, questioning my calling again. And that became the gateway to the impossible. It became the gateway to the unimaginable. It became the gateway to into one. And all of that struggle led me, and it trained me, and it refined me, and it educated me, and it humbled me, and I was changed from feeling like, well, you know, Jesus is okay, but his church? Well, his church just has too many problems. Better just to walk away. Have you ever felt like that? I used to hear the song, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I love that song. And I'd say, yeah, me too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found this thing that we, that we believe is theoretically out there, this connection with God. 
I wish there was something that I could really believe in and I could connect to. I really wish there was. Oh, well. Now, Graham, if God was going to do something great and amazing through somebody and you were the devil and you didn't want that to happen, what do you think you would do to that person? Well, I think you'd probably try and talk them out of doing it. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Are you going to let the devil talk you out of doing what God created you to do? And that landed. And I want to say to somebody, and I don't know who this person is, but on the other side of that child that you're considering walking away from may be the greatest blessing of your whole life. You cannot just let him talk you out of the blessing that is for you coming just down the road. You can't let him talk you out of the thing that God has called you and created you to do. So this message, again, is dedicated to those who feel like it's time to give up and it's time to walk away. May I remind you that our battle as Jesus followers is not against flesh and blood. It looks like it. It feels like it. But we are at war with the powers and principalities of this dark world. And the reality is that there is an enemy that hates God. That's the prince of darkness and he hates the kingdom of light. And all of the forces of hell will try to stop the purposes and the power of God moving forward in your life. That's the very reason why you feel so often like giving up the most. It's because you have an enemy who's trying to talk you out of what God's trying to lead you toward. You have to remember, so many of the most meaningful points in your life are on the other side of the greatest trials. So your enemy, he will give you reason after reason after reason, a million reasons to quit on whatever matters most. And if that's you, if you're at that place where this is what you're considering right now, you're thinking about quitting. You're thinking about quitting on someone. It might be on a dream. It may be on school. Maybe on church. Maybe on God. Maybe on your job. Maybe on your marriage. May even be on your kids. It may be on any number of different things. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on what matters most. But the good news is you only need one good reason to stay the course. Those big thoughts, they're going to introduce our song for today. It's a song called A Million Reasons. We're going to hear it now. Try to make 
For those of you who may want to give up, for those of you who may want to walk away, for those of you who hear the voice of the enemy telling you it's time to quit, you know, but you know God has called you to carry on. I want to show you the words of Jesus as he continued to press on when it would have been so much easier to give up. One of Jesus' good friends named John, he wrote it down in his book that he creatively called John. <laughs> We're going to look at chapter 12, starting at verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. In other words, Jesus is saying, um, it's time to give my life. That's what I've got to do. Here it comes. So we jump down to verse 27. He says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. It wasn't about physical anguish. In many ways, it was worse than that. It was about the deep agony of the soul because Jesus knew the torture and the suffering that was to come. And Jesus asks that very honest question. He says, should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. God, I know what's coming. I know what they're going to do to me. Should I ask permission to do this another way? I know that I'm called to give my life, but this, the human side of me doesn't want to do it this way. Is there any other way? In another gospel, it's, it's phrased like this. He says, may the cup of suffering be removed from me, but not my will, but your will be done. 
Can I go another way? He knew not only about the physical pain, he knew about the emotional pain of of being rejected by Judas and that whole fickle crowd. Have you ever been crushed by a friend? Betrayed by a friend? Lied about? Have you ever been let down? He knew the pain that was coming. Not just from Judas, but from Peter and all the others that wouldn't be there at the cross. He knew that he was going to be beaten beyond recognition. He knew that in that, the process, the ordeal of crucifixion, that there would be terrible physical and emotional abuses. People came by and they, they mocked him and they hated on him and they verbally assaulted him. He knew they would take a crown of thorns and jam it into his brow and mock him and saying, King of the Jews! Hey, you saved others. Save yourself. He knew probably that worst of all, when he became sin on that cross, that his father would look away. And at that point, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The loneliest moment at the lowest point of his life. And Jesus knew all this was coming. He knew it was coming And so he said, set me free from this. But the next part is powerful. It's so incredibly important. The next part describes a cataclysmic shift in history. There may be a million reasons to walk away, but you only need one good reason to stay. And this is what Jesus said. My soul is deeply troubled. Father, should I pray? Save me from this hour. And then he said this. Say this part with me. But this is the very reason I came. But this is the very reason I came. The devil might give you a million reasons to walk away, but you just need one good reason to stay. The reason he came. What was the reason that Jesus came? Who did he come for? I'm going to give you a hint. He didn't come for the righteous, but he came for sinners. He didn't come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. He didn't come for the religious people. He came to set the captives free. If you have ever felt ashamed of something that you've done, if you have ever felt dirty because of your sin, if you have ever felt unworthy, unlovable, or unwanted. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. You are the very reason he came. When everything in in him that was human wanted to walk away, he stayed the course. Why? Because you were the one good reason to stay. It's amazing what you can endure when you have A reason, isn't it? Somebody here, I know, they've gone through paying off debt. You had to work two jobs just to help your spouse get through college. How do you do that? You do it for the reason on the other side. I've seen a number of people go through chemo. Look what a person can endure. Who would ever want to go through chemo? You'll do it for the reason 
a vision of a cancer-free life on the other side. Cheryl, my Cheryl, has given birth naturally three times. Who wants to do that three times? What about six? <laughs> Shout out to the other Cheryl. <laughs> my Cheryl's downstairs, so it's okay. We can talk about her behind her back. This Cheryl, we're going to talk about her in front of her back. The moment you hold that blessing, though, that, that little miracle, that the new life, what happens? The pain and the suffering becomes the past. And it was worth it because you're holding in your hands the miraculous. Close to you, the miraculous. It's amazing what you can endure when you have a good reason. It's amazing what Jesus did endure for a reason. There is going to be something that you are going to want to quit on. There could be a marriage hanging by a thread right now. There are a million reasons you could walk away. But all you need is one good reason to stay. There's, there's a vision, something that you've been working for. You've been pouring yourself into it. You've been investing. You've been giving. And now, now you're in the midst of real opposition. You feel like you've taken some steps forward. But then now, so many steps backward. And there's a swirl of pain and confusion and disillusionment. And you're ready to just give up on it. All you need is one good reason to stay the course. There might be those of you who spiritually, you prayed and God just didn't do what you wanted him to do. And you're like, forget this thing. I may just walk away from God. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away. And all you need is one good reason to stay the course. Now what was it? that kept Jesus on the course that led straight to the cross. How did he keep going? The author of the letter uh, that's called Hebrews tells us what was going on. So Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 2. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Now consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him. I want to remind you of some of the lyrics that you just heard. Maybe it was a little hard for you to understand them in the handout. There's some of those that are written down. It says, I bow down to pray. I try to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all this worn out leather. I've got a hundred million reasons to walk away. But baby, I just need one good to stay. But baby, I just need one good reason to stay. Jesus needed one good reason to press through the pain. What was that reason? His reason was the joy set before him. What was the joy? This is important, right? So don't miss this part. You were the joy set before him. The one good reason that Jesus needed was you. You were the joy because of what his suffering would open up for you. He would talk about this in other places. He said, if the shepherd has 99 sheep and, and one gets away, what would the good shepherd do? Well, he'd leave the 99 and go after the one. Jesus would leave to pursue the one. You are that one. 
For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the pain of the cross. When mankind was at its worst, Jesus was at his best. When they mocked him, when they hated on him, when they insulted him, Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He had a million reasons to take a different road. He could have called down legions of angels of the spoken word and rid himself of the torture of all these people. But Jesus stayed on the cross, God in the flesh, and he finished his calling. And he looked up to heaven and he said, to tell us that, it is finished. Now into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. And he gave his life. Jesus gave his life in a, in a whirlwind. It went dark. The earth shook. Everyone around is stepping back in terror. They're like, what, what is happening? Friday night, the one that they believed might be the Messiah was now dead. And they were devastated. We have no hope. That was our dream. We believed that he was the one who could save us, and now he's no longer here. Saturday morning, the disciples are in panic. What are we going to do? Where are we going to live? We left everything for him, and now he's not with us. Saturday afternoon, that empty, hollow, desperate feeling, that half-angry, disappointed, terrified, scared to death, worry. Saturday evening, our life is over. What are we going to do? We just became enemies of the state. Guess we were all wrong. Sunday morning. It's amazing. It's amazing how the world can change in a few days when God is involved. It's amazing how the world can change in a few days when God is involved. A couple of ladies, they went out to where Jesus was buried, and they, they noticed that the stone was rolled away, and so they look inside, and the, the tomb was empty, and Jesus was not there. He was risen from the dead because of his perfect work. Death had been conquered. Satan was crushed under his feet. There was no longer the power of death, hell, and the grave holding us back. Now, because of his perfect work, we can be forgiven. And what was it that drove Jesus to endure all that suffering? It was the joy set before him. It's amazing what we can endure when we have a reason. Some of the most meaningful times in your life often follow difficult times. Some of the most meaningful times in your life follow some of those difficult trials. So I declare that today. And I'm going to hang on to it by faith. So that whatever that voice in your head says, God will never answer, it'll never happen. Give up, give up. We hold on to the one reason, that all things are possible with God. God, the Savior of the world, God made flesh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our rock, our redeemer, our savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and the risen, conquering, soon returning King of kings. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. 
the great I am, the door, the good shepherd, the living water, the living bread that nourishes our soul. We hang on, we hang on, we hang on. We overcome. We bear up under. We come through. We battle not with the weapons of this world, but with spiritual weapons that are designed to break down strongholds, to crack through the lies. When everything else says, give up, when everyone else around you, give up. He endured, the suf- he endured the suffering for the joy that lay before him. If he did it for me, we'll hang on believing for him. How did Jesus hang on? He knew. He knew. He knew that it takes death to have a resurrection. He knew that it takes pain to have progress. He knew that it takes a struggle to make a story that's worth living and a story worth telling. He knew that often the greatest blessings are on the other side of the greatest trials. He knew that sometimes you have to endure the worst to experience the best. He will give you what it takes to endure through the trial to see the blessing on the other side. Whatever you need to do, whatever it is that God has asked you to do, he will provide. Whatever you need to do, what God has called you to do, he will provide. That's a promise. That's a gift. Not in advance. Never in advance. But as we advance, what you need is there. I'm going to close today with a verse that we already read. And I just want to emphasize a different part this time. Maybe a part that you didn't hear the first time. How did Jesus continue when he saw a million reasons that he would want to quit? For the joy set before him, for you, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. What did he do? What does this mean for you? He was thinking about you so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Because of what Jesus did, because of his example, because of his faithfulness, you will not grow weary and lose heart. You will not grow weary and give up when everything around you makes you want to. You will not throw in the towel. You will show back up. You will continue to love when it would be easier to hate. You will continue to forgive when it would be easier to retaliate. You will continue to do the right thing. Why? It was the joy set before him. And you were that joy. Because of his faithfulness, the tomb is empty. We celebrate life in Christ, partnership with God the Father Almighty. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. For this very reason he came. And he didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners like me. Sinners like you. He came for someone just like you and just like me. And my enemy and your enemy will constantly 
plague me one after another after another and then restart with reasons to give up, with reasons to quit, with reasons to walk away, with reasons to abandon faithfulness. But all you need is one good reason to focus on. I used to hear the words and agree to that. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I used to say, yeah, that's me. But now, those words are part of my story. Now I hear them with longing and motivation. I believe in the kingdom come when all the colors will bleed into one. And this environment called into one has become a gift to me and to some of the rest of us here too. The statement, I love Jesus, but not the church, I've heard that. I've heard it a lot. I've felt that. I've felt that deeply. But then I read something somewhere, and I wish I could remember where, but it really stuck. You can't say, I love you, Jesus, but I hate your wife. I hate your bride. The church is the bride of Christ, as imperfect as it is. But that's why we are here. That's why we are all in creating this spiritual environment that welcomes and calls you to join us on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ, not in condemnation of what somebody else has or hasn't been, but as a step of faith and development to say, maybe, maybe if we listen, Maybe if we submit and maybe if we obey God, then maybe we can create an environment that's different. And those stories that come up when you say, remember what it used to be, remember that church that we went to before, maybe we can make a place that somebody else can walk into and say, I have no idea what your stories are like. All I know is what you've shown me. This atmosphere of love, this atmosphere of forgiveness, this atmosphere of grace, maybe we can work together in partnership with God and make that come to life here. Maybe you can be part of that. So Jesus, we are going to give of ourselves so that we might, in fact, bleed into one. Together. No longer alone. Father, we ask today, but by the power of your Spirit, you would encourage someone who's ready to give up and walk away. We thank you, God, that Jesus is enough for us. May he be everything that we need to keep us on the path that will bring honor and glory to you. Father, thank you so much for those today that you brought here just to experience this. Your word, your power, your truth, your grace. God, give them the courage, the faith to continue on the path on this road trip in earnest pursuit of you. Even when they don't see results, give them the courage to continue planting seeds, even when it doesn't seem like there's going to be a harvest. And God, I pray that you'd continue to move them to do what's right, even when they don't see the results that they want to see. Lord God, help us to see as you see, so that we might do as you say. Remind us that the world will be different and better because we didn't wait for somebody else to be obedient, because we listened, and because we obeyed you. Amen.
Amen. You were called to peace and be thankful. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. Thanks for coming and being part of our celebration today. Thanks for being in earnest pursuit of Jesus. Don't try and live on your own. Let's do this together. Support each other that our faith might grow and that somebody else will be blessed because they will see Jesus in us. So with that in mind, again, as you leave today, you're not just disappearing, you're being sent. And so I send you by reminding you that we are Christ-centered, that we are spirit-empowered, and that we are mission-focused. And we are on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time.